Well, good morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can open it to Philippians chapter 1. If you want to pull out your Bibles or on your phone. Um, We're in a series that's called Invincible Joy. Invincible Joy. Um, And this is a joy that cannot be conquered. That's what invincible means. It cannot be conquered. This is a joy that is designed to last through life no matter what. Joy, no matter what. Uh, The letter that we call Philippians was written by a man named Paul. Uh, And in this letter, this is a man who met Jesus. And because he met Jesus, his entire life was transformed. And he wrote this letter to the Christians in the city of Philippi. That's why it's called Philippians. Um, And this letter has 2,147 words in English. I mean, you can... If you have a relatively small font, it fits on a a single page. Uh, And uh, this letter, it's full of both truth and testimony. Okay, it announces the good news of Jesus, but it also talks about people's experience of the news of Jesus. Okay, and the idea here that Paul, he goes back and forth. He's talking about what, who Jesus is and then what it means to know Jesus and to walk with him in a relationship with him. It's like Jesus, because he was raised from the dead, he is the Messiah, he is God's king, and he is amazing. And following him brings joy no matter what happens. And this joy is invincible. And so today we're going to look at a part of this letter where Paul is going to tell us that he has invincible joy no matter what happens. And so let's start by reading verse 18. It's up on the screens too. It says this, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I, this is Paul talking, I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. So Paul has this invincible joy. He had joy no matter what because he could see good to hope for no matter what. So God inspired Paul to announce the resurrection of Jesus. But God also inspired Paul to write about his experience and his perspective of the resurrected Jesus. So it's both truth and testimony that we find in the Bible and in this letter. And so as we read how Paul thought, As we read the way that Paul saw the circumstances of his life, we're going to be shown that we also can have invincible joy in our lives, no matter what. No matter what. And so look at the cover of your bulletin. We have a a slide, I think, that just has the the sermon graphic. Um, The cover of your bulletin, um, this shows that joy, it's like a shield, Okay, it's like a shield that protects us no matter what happens in our lives. So when we are attacked, like, so the, the image of the shield, it's smudged because even though joy is invincible, what is thrown at us in life is often not glowing and wonderful. So when we are attacked by circumstances that are outside of our control, um, we still have a joy that cannot be conquered. When we destroy ourselves by our sins within, this joy cannot be conquered. Uh, Matthew Elliott has written a book called Faithful Feelings. 
And he says that the reason that Christian joy is possible in any circumstance is not because it's present however we feel, but because it is based on unchangeable facts. And so this joy, Christian joy, the joy that comes from Jesus is invincible because it's not based on our performance, but it's based on Jesus' resurrection. So we win no matter what. Whatever happens in our lives, it is true that Jesus passed through death and came out the other side in his resurrection no matter what happens in our lives. But here's something exciting that I want you to see from the passage we're going to look at today is that Paul's invincible joy is not just based on the resurrection of Jesus. Paul's joy is also connected with what is about to happen to him in the coming months. So something is ahead of Paul and he has joy in what is going to come, not just in what just ha what happened with Jesus. And I want to ask you, can you do that? Can you do that? Can you say that you're going to have joy no matter what happens to you in the coming months? As you think about it, you might say, well, maybe I can have joy. It kind of depends on what happens, right? Good things happen, of course I'll have joy. If bad things happen, you know, you shouldn't hold me responsible for having joy. Come on, I want to be real. Well, I want to show you the two options that are facing Paul. And then we're going to read what he has to say. <clears throat> Paul's two options were first, I'm in prison now and I might be let out. That's option one. And option two is I'm in prison now and I might be executed. Those are his options. Can Paul's joy remain invincible down either of these paths? Can yours? I mean, not all prisons are walls and bars, right? Many of us are trapped today. Are, are you stuck in a prison of your own making? Addictions, bad habits, character flaws... And life is difficult, and sometimes we are the reasons why life is difficult. But maybe you're stuck in a prison of someone else's making. Are you trapped by someone else today? A present conflict or abuse that you're, you're enduring? Past trauma? A lot of us feel like we're trapped. And maybe in the future we might be let out, but... Maybe in the future, we might be overwhelmed and overcome by the prison that we're in, or maybe we'll just never, ever get out. Can you have invincible joy no matter what? Well, Paul could. Again, the, that end of verse 18, Paul says, yes, and I will rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. And I want to say one more thing about joy before we see how Paul looked at what was coming for him. And it's this. Joy happens when the good that you were hoping for comes true. All right? Joy happens when the good that you were hoping for comes true. 
you're longing for something, you're hoping that something good will happen, when it does happen, that feeling that you have of like, yes, finally, or yes, it, came, it, it happened, right? That's what joy is. So if that's what joy is, here's the key. The key to joy, no matter what happens, is this. You must have something good that you're hoping for, no matter what happens. You can't have joy if you're not hoping for something good. But you have to have something good that you're hoping for, no matter what happens. Let me give you, let me me tease this out a little bit. You have the possibility of joy no matter what when there is something good that you're hoping for no matter what. Okay, so a big reason that we don't have joy, okay, a big reason that a lot of us don't live with joy is because we have such a limited set of things that we're hoping for. If the only thing you're hoping for is that you will win the lottery, you will never have joy. Sorry, the odds are just stacked against you. But so, if that's all you're hoping for, you'll never ever have joy. If the only good that we are hoping for is that our circumstances will work out the way we want them to, then we run the risk of never having joy because our circumstances might not ever work out the way we hope they will. So how do we do this? We can say, okay, Paul, you'll rejoice. How do we do this? We're going to read what Paul has to say in Philippians 1, 18 through 26, and then we're going to unpack it. These verses are, again, in your bulletin. Um, Paul says this. He says, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So there's so much in these verses. There's so much that we can unpack. There's so much that you can think about and pour over and pray through and and really in some ways stretch your mind and your perspective so that you can think the way that Paul thought. What I want to do though is I want to I want to focus on the core of this passage. The core of this passage is these two options that were right in front of Paul. These two options that were going, one of them was going to come true for Paul in the coming months. Okay, Paul thought, I face release or execution. I face life or death. These are the options in front of me. But Paul also thought, 
there's something bigger to hope for no matter which of these two things happens. Did you see it when we read it? Did you see it here? There's something bigger to hope for no matter what happens. Let's look again at verses 20 and 21. Paul says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, here it is, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is why Paul had invincible joy. Because no matter what, Paul knew that he was going to be able to honor Christ in his body. Paul had invincible joy because he knew that no matter what happened to him, no matter what path lay in front of him, no matter what path the circumstances outside of his control, no matter which path he had to walk on, he knew that he would be able to honor Christ in his body. That was the good that Paul was hoping for. And he knew that no matter what happened, he was going to be able to do that, and so he could have joy. He knew that this good was going to come true no matter what the circumstances, no matter what circumstances fell out in his life. Can you hold on to that? Do you understand that? Paul thought, if I live on in the flesh, I'll keep announcing the news of Jesus. I'll keep starting more communities that worship and follow Jesus. And so Jesus will be honored in my body if I live on and if I'm released. And if I die, I will die for announcing the reality that Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't. And if I die for that, my death will be a proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus. The reason I'm willing to die for Jesus is because he is a resurrected savior. Jesus passed through death and came out the other side. Jesus now lives forever. And if I am killed, I too will be raised to live with him forever. And so I will go to my death with joy because I will be demonstrating by my life of sacrifice that Jesus is raised from the dead. And so killing me is far better because killing me sends me to be with my king. I will live for my king and he will be honored in my body. I will die for my king and he will be honored in my body. And so either way, Jesus will be magnified, Jesus will be worshipped, Jesus will be honored, Jesus will be proclaimed and announced by the way that I live no matter what happens. Friends, honoring Jesus is the good that Paul hoped for. And he knew that that would come true no matter what happened to him in the coming months. And that's what gave Paul invincible joy. You can do whatever you want 
I'm going to honor Jesus. And when I do that, it brings me joy. And so I love this because God inspired Paul to write this. God wanted us not just to hear the proclamation of Jesus, but God wanted us, he wanted us 2,000 years later to be able to read not just about what Jesus has done, but the kind of renewed mind that it produces in someone who believed with all his heart in the resurrection of Jesus. This is a paragraph that invites us to follow Paul in his motivation, to invite us to hope in a good that can come true no matter what. And so here's the crux, here's the core of how to apply this passage to our lives. The key to you having invincible joy, the key to you receiving a joy that cannot be conquered, the key to you having a joy that will be real and strong and can conquer other things, that can be stronger no matter what happens in your life, is you magnifying Jesus no matter what. You can't control your circumstances, but you can determine whether or not you will honor Jesus in the midst of your circumstances. You can't control what other people are going to do, but you can control, you can determine whether you will honor Jesus in your response. And on the one hand, this is, this is kind of painful, right? Because this tells us that in the midst of all of the stuff that we want to complain about, that we would even feel justified in complaining about, there's a responsibility here that we have. And it's hard to know, like, should we call it a responsibility because a responsibility feels like a drag and do we really want to take responsibility? And I would say yes, actually. Actually, yes. The more responsibility we take, the more meaningful our life becomes. There's an opportunity here now where there's so much in your life that you don't have control over, but this one thing you do, you have control over your response. And if you commit to honoring Jesus in how you respond to any circumstance that comes at you in life, you can have joy. Have you ever surprised yourself and something awful happens to you, and you didn't fly off the handle. And you thought, huh, maybe this is one of those situations where God might actually work good in the midst of this in my life. Like there's that verse, right, that God works all, together, all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Have you ever like caught yourself going, wait, wait, hold on, that's me right now. <laughs> like I'm, I, I think, wait, wait. <laughs> in, I think I'm actually trusting God here. Like, I think I can actually see what he might be doing in this that might bring out good, even though this is an awful situation. Even though somebody has betrayed me, even though I've been hurt by somebody. Like, wait, God's forgiven me. Why can't I forgive them? Have you ever, have you ever had that experience? And in that moment, in that moment, Jesus is honored in your body. He's honored in your life. He's honored with your response. And the great thing about Jesus is, you know, he knows, <laughs> he knows how bad we could be. 
And so if you just do that like halfway, <laughs> if just a little part of you, in the midst of your complaining, you have this growing sense of, wait, I should probably be trusting God, right? Jesus is able to see growth in us even when the growth doesn't come out of us. And so we have a Jesus, we have a Savior who can read our hearts, who can see, and he can actually be honored by the imperfect obedience that we offer to him. The imperfect ways that we honor him, even he is honored by those things. And that's good news for us. That's good news for us. But in that moment, Jesus is pleased. Jesus is delighted that you've responded in the way that he would want you to. You've honored him. So how can you react in a way that honors Jesus? That's what it means to say to live as Christ. How can you love God and love others no matter what? That's what life looks like for someone who says to live is Christ. So how would Jesus respond? Responding like that is a way to honor Jesus. How might you share Jesus' love for others? Like this comes to all of us. This isn't just religious speak, but this is for you in how you respond to the people that are around you the people at home with family, the people at work with your coworkers, your colleagues, people that you work for, people that, that work for you, how would Jesus respond to them? You can honor Jesus by acting in that way. How could you have the boldness of Jesus? How could you have the courage of Jesus? We could say it this way, to magnify Jesus in your life means, it's, it's relatively simple, it's not easy, but it's simple. To magnify Jesus in your life, you're to love God with all that you are, with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, if this is the good that you're aiming for, then you can have joy no matter what. You can have an invincible joy. So I want to make one more application um, of this theme for us in a very specific way today. Um, sometimes we see what the Bible says, and there's a general call for each of us to determine. And sometimes we determine this for ourselves, like how do we apply this, right? We all have different lives, we're all in different situations, we all have different relationships, different work situations. Um, we're all in different places, and so the application of how this works itself out might look different, and that's, that's great. That's kind of what I just did in talking through loving God with all that you are and loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, but then sometimes there's a specific need in our church, um, and we all need to be called to serve that need together. Okay, and so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to consider there's a need that we have in our church um, and it's, it's related to the growth that we've had over the last several years. Really, we've grown ever since we moved into this church. But since we've launched our second service, um, our, our need for Sunday volunteers has significantly increased. And it's interesting because what happens is as a, as a church grows, new people come. And it's awesome because they experience the gospel. They experience the community of our church. And they're excited. And one of the things that doesn't happen right away normally is that when new people come to the church, they don't jump in and start serving. 
right away, normally because they don't know that we have a need. You know, we don't always talk about needs um, as a leadership team, as elders. We think a lot about what we ask for from you as people that call this church, you know, call, call our church home. We think about this a lot. We don't want to ask you for too much. Um, there are some churches that will make you feel guilty if you're not doing something for the church seven days a week. And we think that's way too much. It burns people out. But what's worse than that is that it can keep you from paying attention to the responsibilities that you have in your normal lives, right? We want you not just to, you know, be wonderful members of our church, but we also want you to be, you know, great in your homes, <laughs> to be in your homes. We want you to be great at work as a great coworker, a great colleague. We want you to do a great job coaching Little League, if that's where you're at. You know, we want you to have time to spend in the city because we love the city and we want to bring the gospel into the city and serve people. And so as we've thought through this, um, normally basically what we ask you for is we'd love to see you here on Sundays worshiping God. We'd love you to grow in community by joining a life group. And then we'd love you to serve once a month on one of our volunteer teams. So generally from a time perspective, that's what we're asking you for. And we think that's reasonable, but we also think that those are three things that God calls all of us to do. He wants us to worship he wants us to grow in maturity and discipleship as we do that in community. And then he wants us to serve. Like elements. I mean, what we're talking about here, Paul's heartbeat. Paul's heartbeat was to serve Christ. And he realized that the far better way to serve Christ was to live on and serve the church. And so we like everyone who calls our church home to be serving on one of our volunteer teams once a month. And so, the, the, and so we would like you to do that, and we can connect you with the team that would fit best for you, but I'd like you to consider, if you're not serving, to please join one of our serve teams. Um, we, have about, we have about 300 adults that call our church home, and we need about 112 of those 300 adults to serve once a month so that everyone can only have to serve once a month. Now, if we have more than that, then we can do some really cool things with, uh, with serving, but we really need everyone. Every family needs to be serving um, on a Sunday, and some service opportunities are ways that you can serve and you, don't, you can still be part of church. Some serving is during the church service, and so you can either like serve a service and then worship in another service. But either way, we'd like everyone to serve on a volunteer team on Sunday. And so if you would do this as an application, I would really appreciate it. Our volunteer teams and staff would really appreciate this as well. Please just give us your name, email, and phone number, and let us know that you're willing to have a conversation with us about what team might serve, about which team, on which team you might serve best. Um, yeah, fill out the connection card, and then when we receive our offering, you can drop it in the offering box or in the, in the basket as it goes by. Um, and again, like this is a specific way that you can serve our church and live out Paul's heartbeat here. And so, um, so please consider that. Um, I told you in the very first sermon in Philippians that the Bible Project has a wonderful video on the book of Philippians. And I would heartily recommend that. You can go to BibleProject.org. You can go to YouTube and just look up the Bible Project and they'll get all their videos. They've got videos on every book of the Bible that sort of summarizes it. 
Um, and their one on Philippians is fantastic. And I just want to give you um, a quote from it that relates to this passage um, because it'll help us see how, like, Paul isn't just a good example that we want to follow, but Paul leads us not only to see his heart, but he leads us to see the heart of Jesus. He, uh, this is what it says in the video. It says, Paul is optimistic that he'll be released from prison, but it's possible that he could be executed. And as he reflects on it, that actually wouldn't be so bad. Because for me, Paul says, life is the Messiah, and so dying would be a gain. For Paul, his life in the present and in the future is defined by the life and love of Jesus for him. And notice how his train of thought works here. Dying for Jesus is not the true sacrifice for Paul. Rather, it's staying alive to serve others. And so that's Paul's way of participating in the story of Jesus, to suffer in order to love others more than himself. So friends, like, you're to do this not just because the church is asking you to. Um, you're to love God and love others in every situation, not just because the church is asking you to, but because this is exactly how Jesus feels about you. Jesus, he left the comfort and the glory of heaven to come and to serve you. Jesus took on human flesh. Jesus took on a role in human society that was low and that was, it was poor. It was, he emptied himself of everything in order that he might serve you. And he did this not to make you feel guilty enough to serve once a month in, in church, but he did this so that you would know that you are loved no matter what. And so let his love fill your heart and let that love spill over as you serve people in your home, in your work, in your neighborhood, and in the church. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much for the way that you have served us. And it's exciting to see the power of the gospel in the life of Paul that your love for Paul moved him to think this way about his life, that whether he died or he lived, it was all for you, and that he was willing to even sacrifice what was easy for him, what was convenient for him, what was better for him, in order that he might stay and serve others. Jesus, as you filled Paul with that spirit, fill us with that same spirit. Help all of us to be a part of serving what you're doing here in our church. God, we are so excited um, about what you're doing here and serving just another way that we can be partners in it, that we can participate in it. And so move our hearts to join you as you serve our church, as you serve us. Let us serve each other. And Jesus, for those who are here and don't know you yet, God, would you touch their hearts and help them to see your sacrificial love 
both in your death and resurrection, but also in the spirit of service that they see here in our community. We pray this in your name. Amen. We're going to receive our offering next, and so if you're going to be giving, uh,